Hi, I'm Becca Otis from Five Lines Pottery in Indianapolis, Indiana. And I'm Ryan Durbin from RD Ceramics located in Southgate, Kentucky. And welcome to Wheel Talk. Hey guys, we've loved answering all of your questions so far. If you'd like to hear your question on the podcast, please send them to us on Instagram at Wheel Talk Podcast or by email to wheeltalkpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks. Hello. Alright. Hi. 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 We're live. <laughs> we're live. Do you know we're live in Spanish? Uh nope. No. I don't either. Did you take Spanish in in school? You know what? I got a pity pass um in co- in high school. And I only took Spanish one. Nosotros estamos vivas. Okay. Nosotros estamos vivas. And you would say vivos, I think. Uh-huh. Um, I wish I would have paid attention, and I wish that I was better at learning languages. Uh, I do think something is wrong with me. Like... Uh, <laughs> I tried to learn German. I've tried to learn many languages, and I it just does not connect in my brain at all. Like I don't know if it's like an audio, visual thing that's just not working out for me. But yeah, like I uh, I can understand Spanish to a point. Like if somebody's speaking Spanish next to me, I will catch every other word just because I worked with Hispanics um, for a long time. But yeah, terrible at speaking. Okay. But one time when I got drunk, apparently I spoke great Spanish. <laughs> you thought right you spoke th- great Spanish. Right before I threw open a dumpster. So. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I just took two uh, Spanish one, Spanish two. That was like the required. I think, and I can't remember. Is that per, is that a semester per class? Is that, I can't even remember. It's not a full year, is it? Uh, like Spanish one or... is like one semester, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah so I you take so. one full year of a language and that's all that's required. At least from my high school, right. that's what it was. And I only took half of that year and then I was like, I can't take Spanish again. There's no fucking way I can pass Spanish. Like I barely passed. And, and so I took German in a community college and then my second year, my second class of German, I had my friend, my teacher's mother, who was a German major, take the test for me. Yeah. And she ended up passing me. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, I think it, uh, there's got to be something different in the brain with people that can speak multiple languages. And, like, I think it's a huge benefit being, I feel like we're very privileged to have English be our first language. Because it's oh absolutely, and we're standard. very privileged for not having to learn right actually learn another language. And like, absolutely. there's people that have to know at least two languages as they're growing up in other countries and other places. Yeah. it's like yeah, there's and like uh, what is in, insane to me is people that know like six languages or like seven languages. Yeah. I'm like they can like switch <laughs> through like, it. It's like how like how is you your are brain the smartest human this? on the planet. Like. I I think that I put, like, language learning almost above, like, math learning. Like, if you're math smart, 
I like Mass Smart and, and Language Smart is like the same to me almost. Really? It's like a like you have to be fucking intelligent to be able to learn all those languages. Yeah, I. I it's kind of like the. I'm trying to think of like the way that some people process, and I'm sure once you become so skilled, you just think in Spanish in your head. You're not thinking yeah. in English and then translating on the fly. You're actually thinking mm-hmm. in that language, and that's where you're like, right? Wow. I know it's incredible. So here we are. If you speak more than one language, we respect you a lot. Yes, respect <laughs> so <Mad> much. Respect. <laughs> So much. Yeah. I think that if I went to Mexico, I could pick it up like and was immersed or not Spain, but like, I mean, I I was want to go. I was all right. That's why not Spain traveling. (laughs) I mean, I feel like I'm pretty able to figure it out. Yeah. With the I mean, the technology nowadays, you can use Google Translate and things like that to help narrow the gap. Yeah. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know. I feel like I just get used to when you say something, you're, you can expect that there's going to be even just in English. Like you say something, I am saying this with the expectation that I'm going to get one of like three responses back and then I'm going to go from there. Like, yeah, that's just how I talk to people normally if it's a pretty easy conversations. So, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Google Translate has saved my butt a few times. Because, like, you know, people would come into the shop all the time. The Mex- Like, the grocery store next door, the Mexican grocery store. Um, the carniceria uh, was there. So, Spanish-speaking pe- people would always come into the shop. And there was, like, a lot of times where I'm like, could you please say this into this translator? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, you could just hold it and speak yeah. English. It'll speak Spanish. And then they speak Spanish yeah. and it'll speak English. It's like... Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. We were in Mexico City, and we were going... We are getting so dumb. <laughs> we were trying to go to... Uh, I think we were trying to go to, like, a botanical garden or something like that, but it was on a ca- yeah. it was on a college campus, but it was during New Year's break, because uh-huh. we went during our New Year's, and uh, they ended up being closed that day, But because when we looked it up, it didn't really say it. They were closed, and mm. we we actually took the taxi all the way there. And then we found out they were closed. Like the road to get to the campus was closed and there was a security guard and like can't understand them. And then the taxi driver is like, or Uber driver or whatever, you know, they're kind of communicating and they're like trying to relate to us and we're trying to relate it there. And then we're like, where do we go from here? And, you know, we ended up going back to another area and just walked around or whatever. But, um, you know, we wasted the trip because we didn't know it was closed, but like Google Translate was helpful there. Yeah, did when you went to Mexico City, did you go on the public transit? I they have the they have what um, is supposed to be the best public transit in the entire like I world. Remember. I think we took I think we might have took the transit from the Actually, I don't think we did. I think we just Ubered because it was really affordable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so like um they developed the public transportation for Mexico City when Mexico City had the the olympics there and i think it was in the 80s and uh so the design for the public transportation is some of the best design ever for any public Mm -hmm. transportation like it's really understandable almost in any language um which is really interesting 
I think I heard that on a pod. I think it was a podcast. I want to say it was 99% invisible, but I'm not sure. But yeah, so what is ironic and kind of dumb, but like sad, but also like, you know, um, is that a guy from New York like was the one who designed it for Mexico City. It's like, come on. But but New York is the most populated place for that kind of transit, probably, right? I think so. I think it was New York or somebody. It was from America. And I was like, well, that's dumb that, like, they couldn't, like, the person. But they entered a contest and they won the contest. So it was like, well, yeah. Okay. I mean, you'd want the most <laughs> skilled person in yeah. understanding pedestrians and yeah. big crowds. and Right. But I've, so I've always wanted to go to Mexico City just so I could see the public transit. <laughs> I miss the, the, the tacos the most. The tacos. <laughs> Al pastor tacos with the onions the and cilantro oh so good <laughs> so good so good um little, hi ryan little slivers of pineapple <laughs> hi how was your week all right so it is monday uh we had an interesting weekend i don't even i didn't even tell you this uh <laughs> so really? saturday so all day saturday was uh it was our, 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 Rachel and I's mutual friends bachelorette party, but it was co-ed right. because there are males and females in the bridal party. Right, right, right. So it was basically three couples and then her sister was also there. So that was pretty fun. That was like an all day event. And it started off with, we got a little fender bender in the morning on the way to the breakfast, to brunch. What the fuck? <laughs> So, did you hit somebody or did somebody hit no, you? No, somebody rear-ended me. What? They did not. They didn't really get much damage. Um, they just kind of like popped out my bumper a little bit. Um, but their car got fucked up. Like, oh no. Uh, luckily their airbags didn't go off and everything, but it was uh, yeah. the front end got. It was a Toyota Camry, and I have a Nissan Rogue, so it's like a mid-size SUV. Did they have insurance? Um, they did, yeah. It was a younger... So the, the thing that sucked was it was a younger girl and her friend. She's like low, late uh, early 20s. And they were going mm-hmm. across country. Oh, And no. they were... They had just left. They're in northern Kentucky, so they just like said goodbye to the parents and stuff and left. And they were stopping off to get some coffee downtown. And, uh, you know, the the accident happened and then Mm -hmm. the uh, yeah the front end got smashed like one of the lights broke and then it like smushed it in in the front and the you know the hood bent a little bit luckily it didn't set off any airbags or anything but uh and then there was some liquid leaking or whatever after we got out of the way so it was not drivable that's a sign that's a sign to turn around go back home Something's going to happen to you. So she was get, like, get man, we were, Go. yeah, we kind of got going late today and we were stopping off to get some coffee and, um, trying to get, you know, get to St. Louis by the end of the night. So they said, they were like, I don't know what we're going to do. They were like, we're going to have to like buy a car or something. Cause they were going, they were going all the way to San Diego. Yeah. But if they're, and they were okay. supposed to get to St. Louis based on the timing. I think she has a job or something that she was going for, get there okay. in a certain amount of days or whatever. So, uh, yeah, not a great start for the trip. I mean, I guess it's better to happen at the beginning in town than 
four yeah. hours away. Um, but anyways, that was the beginning of the day. So dealing with the whole insurance thing, called the call, talk to their insurance today, adjuster, mm-hmm. called a body shop, see if I can get, because I got to use the car this weekend for my show. And I'm trying to figure out, you know, I want to get the damage assessed before I leave and, you know, stuff like that. So I'm getting it looked at on Friday morning to just mm. get some documentation of what the estimate's going to be to get it fixed. And I can drive in everything. It's not, you know, it was just yeah. aesthetics of the bumper. So, um, so yeah, that was eventful. That it sounds fun. And then we did the, we did the all day thing. So it was like brunch. Then we did a brewery tour, which was going to like three different breweries. I actually tried a bunch of beer. I was not crazy about that, but uh, I tried it. I dealt with it. <laughs> and uh, I got—I mean, I had a couple. They were all right. Um, I stuck I it out. I was telling people today that there's a lot of men our age that are not fans of like beer. They're more fans of like sweet stuff and like mm-hmm. sweet wines and sweet ciders and the thing is there were two other there's another couple in the group it was a husband wife actually that don't like beer either but they like stuck it out and i was like what do you like and they're like normally they're like a you know jack and coke kind of stuff like that there and i was like do you drink cider or anything and they're like nah eh." they're like that's milder or whatever so give us the hard stuff so he's like you know (laughs) i'm not like a you know if it's really beery like i'm not gonna drink it so we you know he was like asking me like Hey, is this one more beery, beery than the last one or whatever? <laughs> and I was like, Yeah, I'm I'm gonna ask you since you don't really like beer and that'll give me a good judgment of you know, if I'm gonna like it or not. So Right. Luckily I wasn't the only one. Because I was like, What am I gonna do? I mean, I'm not just like and the way they did it was it was with a group and they gave you a cup that was associated with that company and the guy that was hosting it would go up to the bar and get a whole pitcher of a beer. Ah, so it wasn't okay. like each person got their sample. It was like he got a pitcher for got the it. six of us or whatever. And he gave yeah. us and each. I think we got three or four pitchers worth for all of wow. us. Okay. At each place. Yeah. So, you know, you got like Does three. Does Rachel like beer? She likes it better than I do. Okay. Okay. But it was weird. I mean, it was, it was fine. It was good. I got through it. Um... And then we we did that. We ate some dinner, early dinner. Went to the Reds game for about half the game. And then we went to a karaoke bar after. I've never been to a karaoke bar before. It was pretty cool, though. It was in downtown. It was, uh, it's called Tokyo Kitty. It's like a... Did you sing? I didn't. Uh, I barely sang. Uh Do you want to, do you want to guess the song? No, I'm not going to have you guess the song I sang. Was it Shania Twain? It was not Shania Twain. It was not. <laughs> it was a '90s themed party, though. So like the whole day was fit. like '90s themed. So um, it was basically like a bunch of '90s songs. The song that I did sing the most was "Love Shack." Uh huh. Mhm. Mhm. Gotta love yeah. the Love Shack. Was it like a? Was it like a private? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. it's based on like Japanese karaoke bars or something where they have private yeah. rooms. So. Mm-hmm. It was a room that was about, I don't know, 15 by 15 or something like that. Yeah. And you guys can do it by yourself. Yeah. So you got to pick on the iPad what you wanted. And then mm-hmm. there's... And it was cool. You could order drinks and the drinks came down from the ceiling. 
there was like cool. an opening in the ceiling and there was a a little Flat thing line. with like four drink holders so it like came that's down cool. and then you got to like take it off and pretty neat but uh it, it was good i was worried i was like oh my gosh it's gonna be so exhausting the whole day but it was fine it good. wasn't terrible um but yeah that was saturday sunday was just kind of chilling out yeah i think i ran some errands dropped some pots got some raw materials and got back home so yeah nothing super major the last couple of days but yeah i got some nice. a lot of glaze firing i'm doing this week before my show this weekend so that should be a good show nice, nice. yeah what's up how was your weekend anything exciting well i went to um let's see rebecca graves prouse mm-hmm. is um opening up a retail store and so i told her i would help do shelves and stuff and uh but before that she didn't get to me in time like she's kind of a late riser and i was like well i can help around noon you know and then at three we went to the show that actually graves co was in and then merit my uh, studio mate and a couple other people in town and it was called this is it right i think that was the one that merit was selling it yeah it was by six ways market and um so we went to that and it was also connected to a brewery and uh and that was fun we kind of like walked around um it was good to see like almost all my coworkers were there so that was nice i went i did not i don't i don't really like to drink in public typically it's not my thing i was also driving um and it was beer so i wasn't like really wanting mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's like uh i'll pass on the six dollar beer thank you you're like forced to pick a random beer that you're probably not gonna like right i mean like i like light beers don't get me wrong like i'm totally down to drink a beer but um what i'm not totally down to is pay seven dollars for one so yeah. um they had like mixers but you couldn't take them outside which is so dumb like you could only take cans outside to drink so which doesn't make any sense but um okay yeah but then i was like oh there's a coke machine there's like a pop machine and so i like went and they're like you have to get the glasses over there and i was like hey could i have a cup for coke and the lady like see this is the highlight of my week the lady like hands me this cup and she goes this is for water and she like gives it to me and i was like oh okay <laughs> and then i like went to the coke machine and filled it up with coke oh i thought you meant it was like a okay i no, didn't know didn't, you meant she fountain tar- she just didn't charge me i gotcha and which was really cool <laughs> um but it's like a clear then, cup so somebody like obviously could know yeah it was coke um but yeah well i guess what the funnest thing this weekend was oh and then i went to rebecca's and helped do like shelves and stuff um so I was pretty tired after that. But the funnest thing that happened this weekend was that Josie, one of my coworkers, who's an absolute delight of a human. She is just wonderful. She's awesome. Um, her birthday's coming up in August, and we were going around this market, and there was this guy who had these, uh, uh, it, these like, handmade coats. And she is, like, a horse person. Mm-hmm. And if anybody knows horse people, they are horse people (laughs) like equestrian 
Like, she just likes to train horses and do stuff like that. So, oh, okay. Anyway, there was this guy who makes his own clothing, and it's like a blanket, and then he sews, uh, like, sews it into a, sh- a shirt hoodie, poncho type thing, and it has, like, art, like, you know, uh, sleeves and everything. And she was like, this is so amazing. And she was, like, almost crying about how much she loved it. Mm-hmm. And it has, like, horses running <laughs> on oh. it. And, um... But she couldn't, you know, the price was a little too spendy. Mm-hmm. And so I was, like, signaling to the guy, like, I'm in the back. I'm like, don't let her buy it. I got it. <laughs> like, I'm going to buy it. And then he's all like, well, I could give you this one for $30. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Will you just, like, shut her down? <laughs> Talk her down. <laughs> like, and I'm just like, I, like, literally went over there and I was like, hello, please do not let her buy anything. I'm going to buy that for her. And, um, so I bought it and then everybody in, at work kind of like pitched in mm-hmm. and, um, so I'm really excited. I'm going to give it to her tomorrow. Nice. That's why I can say this on the thing. That was the highlight of my weekend. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. How was that show? Was it, it was inside the brewery or it was just adjacent to no, it? No, it's like outside and usually it's really, really good. And I guess that, uh, sales were down from last year for sure. Okay. That's what Rebecca said. So, yeah, I feel like if any of the shows are going to struggle more, it's like, I feel like those are always like break even, not break even, but I feel like those are always like lower expectations normally Mm. where it's like, like, it's got, you got to be, it's got to be a really special customer or a big order. No, I mean, Rebecca did really, really well last year. Yeah. And this year she did a fourth of what she did last year. Oh, Rebecca sold there too, not just Merritt. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. I don't know. I've never signed up for them because the 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 in price is two hundred dollars. So I'm holy like, shit! I'm out. Peace out, home skillet. Was that just a was that a two day thing though? It's two days. Yeah. Oh okay. All right, that makes it more reasonable. Yeah. I was like one day two hundred dollars. That place must have been yeah. killing it. Yeah, but in the past, it's been really, really good. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So, we're doing a short show today, if you can't tell by the 22 minutes of us talking. Um, uh, let's see. We are doing a business question first. Yes. Okay. OMG. I'm losing my freaking mind, and I know you two are good for answers. I'm a, I'm an, in a local craft show this weekend. I'm collaborating with two other artists, Candles and Soaps. For the candle maker, she bought the jars outright at a reduced cost so that she can make a profit. With the soap lady, I gave her dishes and told her my price, so she's going to give me my cut once it's over. Moving forward, which way is better? I have a feeling it's only going to grow in parentheses, into a big-ass monster, in my opinion. In parentheses. Love you guys. You keep me sane in my workshop. Green Cabin Pottery. Yeah, we get a lot of questions from Green Cabin over the over yeah. the years. Wow, it has been years. By the way, I think we just hit... <laughs> today's the 15th, but I think we hit our three-year today. Well, yesterday. Was it August 8th? Or was it... I, I thought, thought it was, it was August 14th. 8th. That was the 14th. Holy shit balls. We didn't record. We need to record a three year one at some point, I guess. Um, 
Now I'm scrolling I just, back. I know, me too. August 22nd, technically. 22nd, so we have a week. Okay. We still have a week. Seven days. Okay. Okay. All right. Next Wednesday. Yeah. Next Wednesday, let's reminisce. Next Wednesday. Wednesday, <laughs> Wednesday. All right, Green Cabin. Uh, I would prefer to do wholesale. That's yep. That would be my preference. Get your money. Get out of there. Leave the selling and the profit up to them. Make them mm-hmm. work to get their get their money for it. Yeah. I mean, depending on what it is, if it's the let's see, jars. She bought the jars. Jars for candles. Yeah. To put candles in, and then soap dishes for soap, soap dishes. Yeah, the only thing I would differ is sometimes if it's smaller, I will lower my minimum a little bit just for the sake of I don't want to have to make 40 of something. I might be more happy selling like $200 minimum. I wouldn't have a minimum for a collaboration like this, probably. So if you sold them wholesale, you would just have them tell you how many they want and just sell them at wholesale no matter how, no yeah. matter if they want 10 or if they want 25 yeah. What if they just I want would. like five? Yeah. Okay, I probably. Why would I'd you do that? Say, Are you doing that just because they're a small business owner? And you're just trying to like experiment with them yeah. just to have fun. Yeah, that's why I would do it. I wouldn't care so much about it, but, um, but yeah, definitely wholesale though. Like, man, I gave all my mugs to to <laughs> fucking Andrew. Because he's my best friend, you know? So I was like, yeah, here's these mugs. You can just pay me when you sell them. And I get these rando, like, <laughs> like these rando Venmo, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, notifications from Andrew. Andrew just sent you $120. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> so is he selling it on consignment? Like 60-40 or 70-30? I guess. I, like, I could have, he could have not even given me any of the money and I would have never known. I, See, that's the that's the part that it. I think is more is why I, another reason I would say wholesale. So you get your absolutely. money, you know exactly how much you're expecting, 100%. and you don't have to follow up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of nice. Like with my consignment shops, I'm to a point where I'm getting checks regularly, like every month. Mm-hmm. But if you can't keep track of it, and you don't have good inventory control, then wholesale is the way to go. Especially if they're going to do like a show and it's not like a store. Yeah. You know, I've done a, I've done a couple shows. I did one, sh- uh, one show I was selling some pieces and there was a macrame artist that was not, it wasn't Kelty from Kodako, but it was a different macrame artist and she came over and, uh, we just chatted. I had some cereal bowls and she was like, oh, these are great. These, these would go good with my, uh macrame things and it was a monthly market so i was like well i'll see you next month or in a couple months and i was like we'll chat offline about what we want and then mm-hmm. we basically just 50 50 at the show i i yeah. took like six over to her booth and put him inside the macrame and said this is what the bowl costs so sell it for the cost of the bowl and then just give me Actually, yeah. I think I just took exactly what the bowl cost. I don't even think she took a cut from it because she had her macrame and I had my bowl. So I think she just paid me outright what the cost was. Yeah. Because it helped sell her, her stuff. Or maybe we did a maybe we did a split, but either way, yeah. um, that was like a quick impromptu 
collab. But we tried we chatted offline. I didn't want to put that on her like I think I chatted with her at the end of a show one day. I was like, Hey, I saw these. I've sold my pieces in macrame before. Do you have any you know, would you want to collaborate sort of thing? Yeah. So Yeah, wholesale for sure. But yeah, that's cool. I think uh I think that's there's there's way more opportunities to do that kind of thing. Especially at the shows if there's a lot of other makers like that um you know sometimes i'll be at a show and there's a olive oil or something like that and i feel like i want to make that connection with them with the uh, olive oil bottles and i think i've reached out in the past i've reached out to a couple small businesses that sell olive oil specifically like fancy olive oil like that's all they sell they haven't reached back out to me but you know it's worth doing that like cold email and being like hey i make these if you're interested and chatting wholesale to have some for your customers. I'd be open to chatting about it. So, um, hit me up, bro. Hit me up. <laughs> um, yeah. So that, yeah, there's definitely good opportunities out there to collaborate, even if it's like low pressure. Hey, here's ten soap dishes. You sell handmade soap. Good combination here. So. Okay. Cool. Green Cabin, thanks for the question. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, bro. All right. What are we talking about? So, Becca wanted to chat about, or she thought I could chat my ex- mm-hmm. perspectives on this, um, because I'm I'm doing my first pre-order. So I think we're basically going to chat about how to like manage a pre-order and how we're, how I'm doing it Yeah. and what's going to help me feel most prepared for it and some steps I'm doing to hopefully make it successful. I'm going to launch it here in the next two or three days. So by the time this is out, it would have already been live and, uh, I got a little bit of insight from a, a friend and we'll chat about that. Um, that has had some experience with it. So, um, yeah. so the, the pre-orders to start, basically we're talking about you are not shipping on demand. You're somebody's buying it. They're paying for it. And then you're shipping it a few weeks later, normally, right? Like a made to order kind of deal. And I think most people do it so that they know exactly how many they need to make of something with a guarantee that it's going to sell. So instead of front loading it, you spend all your time, your effort, your money up front in hopes that you get the money on the back end. You're front loading it with the money. You get payment for it and then you work off that payment and ship it out yeah. when it's done. So, I guess first have you ever done a pre-order? Yeah, I mean like the last couple sales that I've done have been pre-orders. Okay. Do you... But, like... And you don't consider your flash... Technically, you run your flash, flash sales, sales are, like a pre-order, Flash but, sales are pre-orders. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, would you distinguish a pre-order differently than a flash sale? Because you're... A pre-order is typically at retail price. It's not... I suppose so, yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah. That's what I would consider a pre-order... So you could get the retail cost of it. Um, 
Yeah, so the intentions behind, like, why I was thinking about doing it was... I'm doing it specifically on the fancier pieces, the carved oil bottles, mm -hmm. because this is my first kind of iteration into making them at, not at scale, but at a scale that I can have more than one or two of something. Yeah. And I'm confident in the end product. You know, I've made enough of them. I've tried certain underglaze colors that I'm happy with. I've I've mm -hmm. used that color on little shot cups, on mugs, on bottles, and I'm happy with how they end up. And uh, I'm I don't have as many glaze issues, so that's a big prerequisite for me that I know mm -hmm. the end result is going to come out like I expect it to. If there's still unknowns here, I'm not going to risk it personally. Right. And I'm sure at your stage, you you've probably messed up some things and. You would, I don't know, would you be cautious like that and not risk certain no, things? No, I have a pretty solid, uh, I have a pretty solid system. Okay. Yeah. But what you, but what you would be, what's the scope of what you would pre-order? Would you ever pre-order like a fancy cup? Fuck no. No? Why not? Well, I guess I could, but then I'd have to like have one design or whatever, you know? What if it was color combos? What if it was like, I'm doing a pre-order for these three colors? I guess. Like, pick your know. color combination, and I'll make it however I want. I don't know if people would go that way, do that, you know? But just the thought just the thought experiment, like, would you pick colors that you had reluctance with? Yeah, I mean, with? all the colors work. Okay. Like, I have very specific colors, yeah, that work. Because you know how to apply them, and mm -hmm. you know how to get the and best And it's like, I'm not putting it. clear over them, so I don't have to worry about them working per right. se just that the color shows up yeah okay yeah so um and also i i don't want to overwhelm myself with like right. you know let's say i'm like i want to give people all the options i want to give people five different options to pick from and you tell me what you want that way it's like i'm opening myself up to more customers because maybe these people Maybe there's not enough people that like orange or yellow. Maybe their kitchen right. doesn't match it or whatever. So it's like, okay, I'm going to open up to orange, yellow, pink, red, blue, and white. I don't know. Yeah. And then it's like, well, then you've got, you know, I need two of this, two of that, three of that, one of that, two of that. Like, then you're balancing yeah. all these different things as well as all the other things that I have going on that's not clay related as well as clay related what's like yeah i have shows on the calendar so i need to have something that's manageable that it's not gonna bog me down um yeah so that's kind of how i'm approaching what i'm willing to pre-order mm -hmm. and i'm also conscious of um the complexity like if there was an issue how long would it take to remake a piece Right. Because the bottles, for instance, it's very simple. I throw it. I can If I throw it in a certain way and I get the foot to a certain um, diameter, I don't have to do the faceting. And I can just throw it one day, the next day, clean it up with my thumb, and then put it in a damp box for Erica to come put the underglaze on it. And then I can carve it 
And then once I carve it, it just sits out and dries completely. If it was a mug, on the other hand, I would need to throw it, let it sit, thumb it off, add a handle, have Erica put slip on it, um, carve it, let it sit in a damp box for a day. Usually I let it sit in a damp box so it didn't dry out with the handle and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then let it dry out and then bisque fire it. So there's an extra step of risk there with the handle. Yeah. And then um, I feel like the bottles are just generally quicker. Mm-hmm. And Erica definitely says they're quicker to, to add underglaze to it. Like the other day she did. I'm kind of getting ahead of it with the pre-order. So, I, you know, she was underglazing four yellow, four orange, four teal. So that, you know, and she was like going through it quick. She got through all of those plus another four all in four hours. Mm-hmm. Like completely done. So all I got to do is carve them. So that's a big step that I'm like, okay, I can, I can kind of have a system here, you know, as long as I can throw them in enough time, I can kind of get it to a to place where I can, I can plan ahead. Um, and then I'm not limited by the kilns necessarily with like, can I fill a kiln? Right. You know, I think the, the bottles are easy to like fill on a shelf or, you know, load it kind of light if I need to. Um, and then the glazing portion is pretty straightforward too. So that's kind of how I'm organizing the form and how I'm thinking about the form. Um, is there any other c- considerations about like forms and stuff that you would actually consider pre-orders or not do pre-orders for? Mm, I think that it would be tough for me to do a pre-order for something large like a like a bowl or something, you know, like a big bowl like the Becca the Becca bowls. Like I a did, serving you know? bowl or a mixing bowl or something like that? Yeah. That would be tough for me. Why Just is that? Because Just because of the kiln space? Kiln space, uh the you have a lot more of a risk blowing out the base of a piece. Especially yeah. in like high humidity where we're in right now. Mm-hmm. Um like not like I blew out some butts the other like a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. the first time in a long fucking time. Yeah, the dry did, like, the drying time is significantly longer. And yeah, and I did like a four hour hold mm-hmm. on it, and they still blew up. Yeah. So, um, but it's like whatever, you know. Uh, so yeah, like a larger bowl, I'd probably not do. And I would probably not do individual small pieces because uh, it's just really hard to like. Like what kind of small pieces? Like your mini sippers? Like your mini cups? just like, yeah, or just like pinch pots or something like really tiny like shot glasses or something. Mm -hmm. I think that would be hard for me to to pre-order. And that's different than, would you consider that different than made to order? Yeah. N- no. Maybe. No. I don't know. I feel like pre-order is just like you're opening it for this amount of time. Made to order is like, hey, they're always up there. Yeah. I I feel like a I feel like the pre-order is for like a specialty item. Mm-hmm. Not like an everyday item. Maybe Yeah. Maybe there's not really a difference because you're 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 making both of them to order. Yeah. It's just the I naming. That, 
I think that's the reason I wouldn't do it on the small ones. I did made to orders on my small ones today, but like, I think the reason I wouldn't do like a pre-order just on individual like mini things like I priced my pinch pots online at $8, right? And if I did a pre-order, like I don't think that I could have made the amount of money that I want to make off of like $8 pinch pots unless unless I have like a bajillion followers and all I sell is pinch pots, I guess. But then that's like is it worth it? And like yeah. Let me work it. Um <laughs> <laughs> Um, maybe not. Maybe I'm talking myself out of my answer to being no. I think that, I think one of the, one of the differences, I would say a pre-order is more likely to have a maximum. Mm, yeah. I think the idea of the made to order items, it's supposed to have a long life and there's not meant mm-hmm. it. Your made to order items should be something that you can Produce quickly. Produce quickly and produce on a regular basis to where you're not yeah. putting it up, taking it down, putting it up, taking it down. Right. I mean, you can do that depending on the season. Maybe you're, mm-hmm. I mean, I can see you taking down a made to order in, let's say, late October or something because of holidays and you've got to make other things. Right. And you don't want to spend your time only making the small made to order things, for instance. Right. Or like shutting it down like two weeks before Christmas or whatever. You know, yeah. So, I think the, yeah, I think the, at least the way that other I've seen other people do it. Like I think I was talking the friend I was talking about earlier was Liz. So Liz Cohen, uh, shout out Liz Cohen, and uh, she was saying the way she's doing the pre-orders. She's been doing pre-orders on planters, and the way that she, those pieces are very specific. I want to say the very specific styles that she's doing are very specific yeah. color combinations. So mm-hmm. the customization that they're picking from is the color options. Okay. Maybe they're not picking three individual unique colors, but they're picking like a color scheme or a theme. Right. Um, and she has a limited number of spots that she can sell. So it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a curated set of options yeah, it's like not like your regular line you know i mean or maybe it is but like with hers she has so many different color combinations that you could have so that's what makes the pre-order nice right yeah you're guaranteed something that you want and you don't have to hope that it shows up at the time that you're willing to pay for it right and you beat somebody else to it mm-hmm. which is what a typical restock is you know Hopefully they've got four of the same style that you like and you could get one of those four before they sell out. Or yeah. some people just do restocks and they restock very specific things and they have, you know, this color is this restock. Yeah. Um, and they have a lot of pieces in that color in that one restock so that they can meet the needs of a lot of customers that like that one style. Um, but I don't know. I think the... I think the pre-order would you say the pre-order is more beneficial for the maker or for the for the buyer? I think it's both. Both. Honestly, I think it's a win-win. Honestly, like can you imagine as a buyer you're like sweet, I finally get to like get exactly what I want. And then cuz you know when you're like when you are 
on, let's say, Liz's site and um, she has a, a number of planters that she's already made and you go online, you're like, fuck, like somebody else got the one I wanted, you know, but in a pre-order, because the options are unlimited, it's just the, the options are unlimited, but the, the piece is not unlimited, you know? So like, let's say there's 20 planters, but they could all be the same color combination if they chose, mm-hmm. you know, then you can get exactly what you wanted. It might be a little bit later, but yeah. Meh. Yeah. The I think only... it meets a different customer need. Like some customers like to look through what's available and then pick their favorite thing of what's yeah. available so they can get it quickly for a specific event or right. I'm just looking for a new mug. I'm not looking for the mug, but right. maybe you're, maybe you're a collector and you have a lot of different mugs and you're not looking for just an everyday mug. Like you want, you want, a you special want one. a quintessential, like yeah. Liz Cohen mug. That's like, yeah. okay, this is the one I want to use. So you'll yeah. look for a very specific style because she makes six different styles or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. I I do think that the only, I say, almost disadvantage is getting paid up front as opposed to, like, the end. And more of, more in a mental way as opposed to, like, any physical disadvantage. It's just, like, you get paid up front, so then you're, like, under pressure to make sure that everything is great. Mm-hmm. And if they don't turn out right, then you're, like, you know, and it's, like, you have to, you know, try twice as hard and you're like under the gun to get it them shipped out in time you know i do think that that's the only like disadvantage and there's something about like getting paid when you ship something out that's like rewarding you know yeah i feel like it's still i don't know <laughs> it is definitely a different mentality when you're yeah. doing that like i definitely have a diff a little bit different I'm trying to think of in what cases do I get paid up front for something? I mean, sometimes I'll get a deposit for like a wholesale order. Right. And then I'll, and that reminds me, I need to write an invoice to that. Um, invoice. Um, <laughs> invoice for my wholesale. Um, that you're like, oh, well, I've already got paid for this thing. I just got to deliver it. And then there's, there's no like urgency. Right, right, right. At the right. end, like, it's just um, your your pride and your ego of like, I promise yeah. this, I need to meet this for my own business sake, for my customer service, right? You know, side of my business, and they've paid for it, so they are owed it, right? And uh, you know, I don't know. I feel I feel like we uh we can overthink some of the timing of things. Like they're not going to notice necessarily, but some people mm-hmm. will appreciate. Yeah, like when it's timely. Yeah. Yeah, when you've you've committed to something and you deliver on time. Um yeah. and then hopefully it meets their expectations. I wonder if their expectations change a little bit when they've paid for it four weeks ago, they kinda of forget about it and mm-hmm. it shows up or they see an email that's like it's yeah. been sent. Do they is there I feel like the expectations are really high when you first buy something. I wonder if it wanes as that four weeks has gone on or it's like their anticipation is building of like, I can't wait to get this out or to get this. I wonder if there's more of a gap there of like, oh, I expected this and it looks like this. It's not exactly what I thought it was. Yeah, I don't know. But I don't know. The money's spent already. It's like four weeks past. So I've never bought anything on a pre-order. Have you? 
I haven't. I don't think so. I have not. No. Yeah. Usually it's a pretty customized thing. I feel like I just forget about things with the timing of, like, if I were to order a pre-order, I would not, I would not associate the, oh, it's been four weeks, I better check on it. It's like, I feel completely forgot. I also forgot. feel like, I do feel like pre-orders are for planners and, um, and like drops, like pot drops are for not planners as far as the customer base is concerned. So like. I have but no there's inten- some planners that are right there when that thing drops. True, 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 true. Very true. But, like, sometimes, especially when it comes to, like, Kurt Hammerly, I have zero intention of buying anything, and then I'm like, fuck, that bowl is nice. On and a restock bowl, not a pre-order on, bowl? On a restock bowl, not a pre-order bowl. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, damn, that bowl is real nice. And, and it's just, like, all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. <gasps> Maybe I have done a pre-order. Have I? I might have. With what Kurt? do you think it was? Hold. Please entertain. So, um, one thing I was going to say, since Becca mentioned Kurt, I was chatting with Kurt recently. He was on vacation for a week, and the beneficial thing, and obviously, Obviously, not everybody's in the same situation. I'm not even this even in this situation. He's to a point where he has a, a bunch of product that he makes all the time, right? He's high volume. You know, keep he keeps producing work and he gets it out there. He does the restocks. He might not in the most recent time, but um, you know, he does the restocks. People buy that stuff. When it goes live and he sells out normally in a few days. But he also keeps the pre-orders in the last year or so. He's been doing pre-orders. It's probably been longer than that. But he does pre-orders on very specific styles, very specific colors, like one of the bowls that Becca's holding right there probably. Um, And he was saying while he was on vacation, you know, you get – he got like 30 pre-orders. It's one of those things that if somebody just stumbles upon his site, let's say they've never heard of Kurt Hamley before last week. And they just start following him and they see his stuff. They're like infatuated with the look of things and they're hoping they can get something. And they just stumble upon his website. They're not they're not in tune with his restock schedule or anything like that. They can see pre-orders available and be like, oh, well, there's, you know, a bunch of different things that I can get. I really like that. Yeah. And that's probably the most rec- some of the most recent things on his feed. So if they're a new follower, they might see that and they're like, well, I can buy that right now. And they get a promise of being able to get something and it's going to show up in a few weeks. So it's a good marketing strategy to have pre-order items as well as in-stock items just so you can meet those different buyers as well as if you do sell out, it gives customers options of something to buy any day of the week. Yeah. And it, it's just a good option for for both parties there. Like he was on vacation and he made a bunch of money just from pre-orders and then He's already got bisqueware sitting or he's got glazed pieces just sitting ready to go yeah. out. So, well, Becca, do you want to talk about that, that bowl there? Nice. This is my pre-order bowl that I forgot that I pre-ordered. It's from? the one that goes from yellow to red. Um, from I think Kurt. it's Tequila Sunrise. Is sure. what he, I think that's what he names it. Yeah. That was my favorite color combination. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, and I don't, I don't think he makes to... that 
I don't think know. he makes those bowls anymore. No, I don't think so. It's a nice bowl. I think that his new bowls are probably better. We it's... have one of those bowls too. I got it from a yeah. second sale that he did. Yeah. It's um a little it's not it's smaller than the East Fork bowl, taller than the East Fork bowl. It's like right it's it's in the same stack of bowls with our East Fork it one. It nests. It nests very nicely into the East Fork bowl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've got the uh we've got the east fork bowl there we've got the hammerly bowl we got the becca bowl the becca mm. pasta bowl and then we've got a uh i want to say it's a uh breakfront pottery which is a local cincinnati one mm-hmm. and those are our four pasta bowls that are handmade so and which one's your favorite the favorite one is probably probably the east fork bowl to be honest I wasn't going to say yours. Yours is the brand new to the lineup. It is new, and it was like a recent possible. It's not, I was even, gonna like, say, it's not even trimmed on the bottom. I was going to say Kurtz, but I, I think East Fork Bowl is the best. I mean, the East Fork Bowl does show the metal markings mars, a little bit more. It mars so more. I might technically say the Kurt Bowl, but yeah. So. Uh, my favorite possible is actually the ones that I made for Gravesco that are real fucking big. Like... They hold so much pasta. <laughs> like, is it as wide of a... So Kurtz has more of a like narrower foot. East Fork has a wider foot. Your newer ones that we got has a wider foot. Is the yeah. Gravesco one like a narrower foot or wider foot? It's probably... Well, okay, so this is the Graves... This is the Kurt Bowl, right? It's probably... Do I have a... I have probably a 10 inches here. across or something like that. ruining my painting that i paid too much money for actually i didn't pay enough money for it um this is seven and a half inches okay so this is seven and a half inches i would say that the what i said i'm a bad judge (laughs) i would say that the bowl that i have that i made for gravesco is nine maybe nine and a half okay wide and the same height okay Wow. That's a big bowl. It's a big bowl, but what's nice about it is that it's wide and shallow. So you could put a little bit of food and it would still look good. Mm -hmm. If you put a lot of food, it would still look good. So Nice. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll see how the pre-order goes. I'm I'm thinking timing-wise. I don't know how many I'm going to sell. I'm managing my expectations. I think when I first launch it, I'm probably going to get... I'm going to say the first week. I'm not even going to say the first day or first couple days because I don't have people rushing to my shop. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say I'm going to sell like 10 or so. Okay. The first week. I, I'm telling you, I have zero expectations anymore for anything online. I have like, I <laughs> sold the Becca Bulls and one person did buy four. Which should be an interesting shipping situation. The bit and, and they're like bigger. Can you tell yeah, people what the Becca bowls are? Inches. They're nine inches by four inches when they're finished. Holy they're shit. not small. And so I probably will ship them out individually. Did they get them in different colors? Mm-mm. All white. Wow. Um I'm like and yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, that's not what I planned. But you know what? Also, super grateful to you. <laughs> um, but 
<laughs> you ever uh, you ever pack up like a few pieces not even just like shipping them but at a show sometimes i'll sell some things and i'll be packing them wrapping them up and by the end of it i'm like okay your total is 126 bucks i was like damn that seems like a steal what you just got for 126 dollars like that's not really a ton of money when uh, yes, you're judging I like handmade stuff a lot <laughs> it's like oh my god well especially when i'm selling stuff. like shitty cups and like you know the all my shitty pots, you know, it's just yeah. like, okay, your total is $30 for two pieces. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I mean, I could pack up like an oil bottle, a mug of a bowl and like a spoon rest. And it's going to be like 126 probably like that's probably reasonable for what it would be. Yeah. And I'm like, man, that's not that much money for what I just packed up. Yeah. But I'm like, it's crazy. Know. But yeah, I just feel like I feel like there's a shift in the internet. We kind of talked about this a little bit this morning, but um, definitely people are watching their pennies a little bit more. Yeah, I was trying to. I don't know if I was talking sense into you or just talking, just just giving you a, a like, yo, Becca. I know it's your brand to just drop shit randomly <laughs> and be like, it's up. I just had this thought three minutes ago. I posted a story about it. Pieces are up. You're going to buy it in the next 20 minutes. It's going to be live. Thanks much. Thanks much. <laughs> yeah, no, that totally is my brand. And I'm like, Becca, you need to like put a little more forethought into this. Becca, else... you need to try a little harder. And I'm like, some Should people I... can't just randomly stumble upon a story and buy something. Right. Um, I know. And and that's part of what I was talking with Liz about with the pre-order. Because I was like, hey, Liz, before I launch this, how did you handle your pre-order? How much time did you did you give yourself before you um, actually launched them? Did you give people three days notice? Did you give them a couple weeks? Like, what are we looking at here? How much information did you give them? So she was saying she gave them about, I think, five to seven days. Okay. And what that meant was she put it on her, and I might be getting this a little bit off, but I want to say she yeah. put it on her Instagram, mm-hmm. and she did it as a way to you know show some reels of the process of how it's being made, showing the finished products of here are the options that I'm going to have available, and maybe did two or three posts building up to that over that those five days, and as she was posting those, she was mentioning like, hey. My mailing list is going to find out first. She didn't give an exact date building up over that time. She was more like, hey, these pre-orders are coming. Sign up for my mailing list so you can find out first. And basically what she did, I mean, she got, I don't even know what the number is, but let's just say she got 20 people to sign up for a mailing list from doing that over three days of posting yeah. content. Um you know, she could, she probably had the pieces ready and she was going to make them to order anyways. But without that buildup, it gets people excited. They get to see the process of how it's made mm-hmm. as well as, ooh, I really like those colors. And then you're like, you know, it gives you time to think about, you know, what time of the month is it? Do I have money to spend for? I think nowadays it's more important to be conscious of like, are they going to have the money for it? what is going to be most enticing for people to add to their collection or yeah, what colors are going to have the widest appeal 
as well. Like think about that a little bit and uh, get those mailing list signups just as just something else to uh, give a little bit of like preferential treatment to a group of people that already support you. Yeah. And then I'm sure she just built an email and then I'm going to do the same. So build an email out, post it, say, here's the pre-orders live, go buy it. And it doesn't even have to necessarily be like, this is a password protected page. Like for me, I'm not somebody that's getting swarms of people all the time. So yeah, if I don't tell somebody about it, they're not just going to stumble upon it and like jump the line. And you know, if it was Kurt, it might be a different story. Like if he just posted pre-orders and told his email list and said, Hey, here's a password protected page. Here's how you need to access it. Like that might be more appropriate, but, and he does like previews and stuff like that. I don't, think i'm to that point where i need like previews that's just more work for me that is not necessary um i do think that previews help on drops though for sure yeah i mean I, in the the previews of the pre-orders would be like here's exactly what you can pre-order like i think that's enough of a preview for for that aspect yeah. but um and then dropping it on the uh email list and saying hey the pre-orders are live here's where you can go buy them Get in their first dibs, limited quantities. So even if you're like, you know, I'm going to leave them up for a week or, you know, I don't know what kind of, because honestly, like, it's not lying to say, I don't know what kind of response I'm going to get. Like, I can say manage expectations. Like, I don't think I'm going to sell more than 10 in a week, but it's not really like I'm making things up to say there's a limited quantities. Like, I'm not saying there's only five of each, but I'm not saying that. I can't handle more and, you know, Instagram people might end up buying more than my mailing list anyway. So you getting a head start doesn't necessarily like, you don't have to have the head start because I'm going to have enough, but it's also like, oh, well, they're letting me know, like, I really want to get this. So I'm going to get it. It's kind of like a buying tactic or a selling tactic of like, hey, here's a little urgency get on there because I don't know how much I'm going to be able to handle. And then you, and then she tell told Instagram like the date the next day. So, you okay. know, tell the mailing list, Hey, you've got 24 hours before I let Instagram know. And then if they know how popular you are on Instagram or not popular, whatever, if they know there's more people that are going to know about it the next day, you know, they need to get on it. Um, I, I sent a, an email today for the first time in maybe forever. Yeah, um, I saw that. Yes. My favorite part of it is the very beginning. And I'm going to... How, how was the... What was the platform for that email? And where did those... Because I, I was asking you, I was like, do you have a mailing list? Like, did you send out this pre-order stuff? Like, you know, I lean on the people that are already fans of yours a, and have bought from you. I don't necessarily have a mailing list, but over the years my square has collected a fair amount of customers <laughs> which is basically just anytime somebody checks out with you through square yes at a like show some of these or are 6 years some of these shop are 6 or years whatever old, 8 years old i don't even know long 8 like many years old <laughs> you already sent it out right yeah i already sent it out did you and... check on the report to see what kind of traction you got on it I'm going there now. And I want to say this was all through Square. So it's like Square Marketing is what they call it. I guess, yeah. 
Um, it says my attributed sales are zero dollars, but I did get an order today. <laughs> so my open that rate just means is... they they probably didn't click from that email. Yeah, my open rate is because um, I put it on my Instagram too. My open rate was thirty nine percent. That's pretty good. Uh, sixteen. Okay, out of eight hundred and twenty three people, sixteen bounced. 323 opened, 61 clicked, 17 unsubscribed. I feel like I always get butt hurt every single time I see unsubscribes. Like, unsubscribes will keep me from sending emails. Even though I know that I'm going to get, like, at least four or five people to unsubscribe, I'm like, I got to keep making those reps. Like, I got to keep sending those emails because I'm going to get the unsubscribes. But I got to hope that more people are going to consume the content and get something positive out of it then yeah i literally said at the bottom though the beginning says after about five minutes of consideration and a brief realization that i have over the years trapped all you people into giving me your emails i've decided to just start putting all this shit on on the interwebs basically um and then the end it says be aware if you don't want this email unsubscribe now i might get a wild hair and start doing this more who knows? I think that I'm just going to send out emails that are like, fun fact, did you know <laughs> that mantis ray shrimp have 16 cones in their eyes? <laughs> and then just be like, here's a link to order pottery. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be honestly amazing. The one thing you could spin on there would be like, while I was throwing this batch of pots... I was listening to this podcast about mantis ray shrimp, and I found out about this fun fact. Like, tie it back to pottery somehow so it's not completely random. Oh, come on. Be fun. Be fun with me. (laughs) I mean, you could be fun, but it feels less salesy if you're like, blah, 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 here's a fun fact, buy my pots. Like, I don't know, some people, if they get your vibe, but I'm sure a lot of those square people have just bought something from it. You don't know about your personality, about your, like, quote-unquote, like, branding and, like, who you are necessarily. So that's where it's, like, you would catch the people that are kind of, like, on the fence about you. Yeah. You know what I mean? So That's true. That's why I was like, Becca, put a picture of pottery at the top. Don't just put some blank. Like, <laughs> they bought from you, like, five years ago. Maybe they don't even know your name, your business name. So they see Five Lines Pottery. They're like, who the hell is this trying to sell to me? Right. Like, oh, I remember that. I've got that pot. I'm still using that pot, you know. Yeah, that's true. And that prompted me today. I actually did look at Square Marketing today. Um, and I you built have three a, minutes, by the way, until we're supposed to be done. Three minutes. Um, so I did build build out a Square Marketing campaign that is a uh, post-sale email mm-hmm. that's going to go out. So especially with my, a lot of my shows coming up, it's basically, I mean, my customer base, I think, on Square is like 1,700 or something. There's a lot. Damn. And that... And I only use Square at shows, so I mean that's my is that last. How many emails do you have? Because my customer base is like twenty two hundred, but not oh no, I don't know how many emails I've got. Okay. I would have to look at that, but um, but yeah, I would assume the email. Uh, okay, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. Maybe like, do you ask for emails at the shows? Not yeah. recently, but um, maybe some people if they had their email associated with their card as a preference to yeah. email their receipt maybe it would have their email it might so 
either way, um, I set that up. So it's going to send a thank you after they buy something and send them like a $5 off coupon. Nice. And then I basically just said, hey, here's my upcoming shows. And then I said, if you can't see me in another show and you need to purchase something online, here's the a coupon code that you can use in my online shop. Yeah. So we'll see. I'm going to try that out. That is a, at, that costs a fee. I think it said up to 500 emails. 500 customers, something like that. 500 to 1,000. Okay. Yeah, it said $15 for for the first 500 people. Yeah, you can do some of them for free, though. They have options where you can do free ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I'm going to try that. We'll see how that goes. And then I might set up another campaign here soon. I mean, honestly, most of my customers that are probably going to buy from me again have bought from me at shows. So Yeah. And that's kind of my sweet spot of selling anyways. You know, I'm more likely to see somebody again and, um, you know, send an email out like, hey, I've seen you at a show in the past. I'd love to see you again. Yeah. Here's a coupon to come see me at one of my next shows coming up. Here's a list of my upcoming shows. Um, something like that. So, so we'll see how that goes um, and we'll see how the pre-order goes. I don't know. I'm trying to manage, manage the expectations, hopefully... And hopefully not, like, deter all of my plans of everything else that I'm trying to do in the studio. Like, I don't want the pre-order to consume me. Another reason I haven't done it is because I don't want to be consumed by, oh, I'm only focusing on pre-orders for, like, three weeks straight. Yeah. Like, that sounds horrible. Um, so, we'll see how that goes. I don't know. And I feel like I'm building up all this hype, and uh, it's going to be underwhelming, but. I feel like that's my whole life right now. (laughs) but it's also one of many options so yeah i don't know if i completely relied on this pre-order i would feel a little bit more stressful but right um, but it's an option yeah and hopefully people can find the pieces they like and just buy it and feel confident about okay now i don't have to wait forever because i'm like oh i'll get them on the shop soon and they like literally never get on the shop because i just get four out of the kiln and I take them to a show and I sell all of them. Yeah. I'm like, well, sucks for you. Sucks for you, boo. Yeah. Anyway. We've hit the, we've hit the, the time now that Becca has been like, (laughs) I texted him earlier. I was like, we are going to be done by 11 (laughs) and it is 11. (laughs) Oh, one. Yes. I'm going to call right. Teresa and Brandon because I missed our call yesterday. So, Any last words, Becca? Um, ladies and gentlemen, take my advice. Pull down your pants and slide on the ice. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, yo, higgity, yo. It's Becca here. Hey, just so you know, thank you for listening. And also, we have... What do we have again? A Patreon. Patreon. We have a Patreon that you should go and... If you want to donate to, you could donate to it. If you don't, that's cool, too. But um, just Google Wheel Talk Podcast Patreon. Don't do the other one. 
because uh, there is a wheel talk on Patreon, but it's not us. So make sure you get the right one. It's and in the show notes. It's in the show notes. And also, um, leave us a review because they're fun to read. Okay, bye.